Balotelli. Aguero! Lewandowski goes through again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast. We've got a nice host of topics for you today, and Joining me, as always, is the Matthias Delict to my Frankie De Jong, Billy. Oh, lovely fair-haired blonde lads. Exactly. Shades of me and you. <laughs> this week, we look at the relegation playoffs in the Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2. We take a look at the Bundesliga team of the season and pick our own. We discuss the best of match weeks 33 and the already started 34 in the Premier League. And a sprinkling of transfer news as well. Well, why don't we get started? Should we, should we get started with the team of the season for the Bundesliga? We're going to make some, some waves with that. Okay, I think that's a good idea. So <laughs> Yeah, it be- between, both between picked, us. <laughs> yeah, we've both picked an 11 and basically have to argue the case for each player. I've got mine on post-it notes in my wall in front of me. First, first off, what formation did you choose? Uh, I chose a four-three-three with a holding Ooh. midfielder and oh, just the one into mids. Oh, he's chosen the exact same formation as me. Okay, this should make it interesting. This should make it very interesting. All right, okay, who have you got in goal? I'm going to surprise you with this one, Jan Sommer from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Yeah, that's what I've got as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I've put little reasons why I thought I was going to have to fight this. No, I'm I'm fully with you on this because Neuer put it this way. For the the sad thing almost is that Neuer to make team of the season now has to have an extraordinary season with Bayern. Like he literally has to be saving them left, right, and center. And as much as he was making unbelievable saves, he still. It, I mean, it was still very much a collective effort that led to Bayern's many clean sheets. And I would still, I would definitely say that Jan Zoma had more saves to make. If that, makes yeah, sense. he's got the most most shots saved in the Bundesliga and the best exactly. save percentage as well. So I think that's it's, fairly cut and dry as to who our goalkeeper is. Then exactly, I I wouldn't I wouldn't argue that, and that's coming from an actual goalkeeper and a Bayern fan who usually has a massive Neuer bias. So that should say something. I was going to say I was I was expecting to have to fight for Jan Zoma. But I'm glad we've come to a no no. Come to no, a, no. We've come, come to, to a gentleman's yeah, gentleman's agreement on that one. Okay, I think I don't know. Full backs, right I back. think we're gonna be Ashraf Hakimi. <laughs> I mean two for two. <laughs> right back. Right I mean back. they they kind of picks itself really, doesn't he? He's like five goals and ten assists. He's definitely he's and and you know, he's speedy Gonzalez over there on the right side. He's probably the only guy who can maybe trek uh alfonso davies speaking of which that would be my left back pick alfonso davies unreal season that's also my left back but okay we're, we're three because, for three because he moved to left back from i think it was left originally wing. a left wing wasn't he and exactly. never looked back and also funnily enough that wasn't even that wasn't even uh 
Hansi Flick's decision. That was actually a decision by Niko Kovac, which I think has gone under the radar. The only good thing Niko Kovac did as Bayern manager. I I find it hard to uh, argue that with that assessment. Uh, I also put for Alfonso Davies as one of the points. Uh, his TikToks are class. <laughs> his, exactly. The social media presence alone should have gotten him to the tee of the season. Okay, <laughs> Not, the centre-backs, I, mean, I think, are where we're going to... Okay. Yeah, I I feel I'm going to put forward David Alaba and Deot Upamecano. Oh, okay. So I've put Deot Upamecano. Uh huh. And Martin Hinteregger. Oh, do you know what? I was debating whether to put Upamecano or Hinteregger because Hinteregger was a beast. Like, he's literally just like a brick wall back there. I mean, as much as Frankfurt didn't have, you know, the unreal season that they had a year ago he was still rock solid well he's the top scoring uh defender (laughs) with eight and the only center back in the league with 50 plus successful tackles just just to put this out there hinteregger has as many goals as felipe coutinho in the bundesliga this season just gonna leave that there and i bet martin hinteregger didn't cost 120 million from liverpool no, he did not. No, he most certainly did not. So we're agreed on De Umpamancano then, mm, as a, as a, a young centre back that's almost unbeatable in the air and on the ground. To be fair, yeah, okay, you're not ridiculous wrong. amount of pace for a centre back. Yeah, you're not wrong on that one. Um, for me, it's a big throw. I wouldn't. I would put. For me, it'd be a decision between Upamecano and. Hintaiga, but David Alaba for me has to be in there because that guy was, I mean, after Zula ripped his ACL and uh, Hernandez went out injured, he was the defensive, basically the def- the defensive player in Bayern's back line who called all the shots. He he was the, in German, we say the Abwehrchef. And he was, he was unreal. And had a big hand in helping Bayern win the double and maybe even possibly the triple or the treble. But for me, yeah, Alaba has to stay in there and there's a toss-up between Upamecano and Hintaiga. Okay, I'm I'm willing to concede there Upamecano. I want to keep Martin Hintaiga because I'm a bit of a bit of a sucker for a goal-scoring centre-back, which is why I really like Sergio Ramos. I was about to say that if you don't, if Sergio Ramos aren't the next few next couple words out your mouth, then. <laughs> What can I say? It's just exactly. I love watching a centre back score. I'm willing to concede uh, Umpamankano because the, the only real statistic I've got for him is 89% pass completion. Yeah, I'm sorry. Pass completion isn't going to cut it on this one. <laughs> okay, so centre back pairing of uh, Alaba. Alaba and Martin Hinterlegger. The Austrian centre back pairing. It's a new one. Right then, centre defensive mid. Who have you got? Joshua Kimmich. Yeah, okay. Same. Yeah, one of the best defensive midfielders in Europe since his transition from right back. I mean, yeah, you can't really... I don't think you can argue that point. I mean, even Xavi um, Hernandez, the former Barca player, and, you know, part of maybe the most successful midfield duo of all time. And yes, possibly. Not very definitely, but possibly. But the guy was a Barca legend or is a Barca legend. And even he said that Kimmich at this point is already further than he was at that age. So to have, you know, 
such a such an established player giving you praise like that and you know before you're even 25 that's already i think that says it all and the chip against dortmund kind of speaks for itself really doesn't it he's a match winner exactly with exactly with something that audacious Okay. Should have put. I think that I think that Bayern just need to overlay the song "Audacity" by Stormzy over that get over that goal because. Uh, I think it should be on your goal music. Oh, it really should because our goal music is is. I'm sorry, but this season is trash. Like, why the hell do we have the can can? I was going to say, is it not the can can? <laughs> it really it's it's depressing because it used to be it used to be a rendition uh, of seven of Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes, which was freaking boss. I can understand the can-can might G the crowd up, but when you've got no crowd to G up, I mean. Mm, I'm sorry, but the can-can does not G up a crowd as much as Seven Nation Army would, at least in my eyes. Just going just gonna to throw that out there. <laughs> I'm not a fan of gold music, I'll be honest. It's an alien okay. concept in the Premier League. <laughs> but we'll move on from that. I want... Center mids. Your center mids. Okay, here's the thing. I would almost position these as center attacking mids, both of them, yeah, rather same. than center mids. Um, but obviously, you know, having two center attacking mids. Yeah, I think we've got the same again. I think so too. I'm going with Havertz and Müller. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking there was going to be a lot more of a, you know, I know, a discrepancy between our teams. I was, I was expecting a lot more arguing of my case. I've got stats underneath them for all of them to try and convince you. Well, I mean, I think Müller's 21 assists and subsequently breaking the record that was previously held by none other than Kevin De Bruyne in the Bundesliga speaks for itself. And yeah, and he come back from like the point of no return. Exactly. Nico Kovac just didn't want him. Nico Kovac literally said in, and I quote, <clears throat> wenn not man is. So if there is, if, if we need bodies, Müller will get his playing time. In an interview post match for a oh, player who won the World Cup hear. in the Champions League. Exactly. That's what you want to hear from your manager. <laughs> Just to pre- yeah, that I, I couldn't believe it when I heard it. But you know, under Hansi Flick, he's had a rebirth and up till now he's got the most assists of any one player in Europe's top five leagues. And he's beating out De Bruyne and Messi. Just two names on that list. And Kai Havertz picks himself as well, really. He was only twenty one oh, in yeah. June. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because twelve Kai goals is, and six assists. He um, is. He's like, without a shadow of a doubt the most exciting young talent in Europe at this point. It's a funny at, way for his age. Funny way to age. pronounce Mason Greenwood. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, Mason Greenwood is a couple years younger. I'm. I did add in for his age. Yeah, as I in can't the year really 1999 argue. birth. Oh, it makes you feel so old. <laughs> Don't, don't, I don't, don't like think it about now. It. Don't Players think about younger it. than me are starting to come through, and I really don't like it. Oh, d- just you wait until Mason Greenwood starts uh, starts actually making you know the starting eleven at United regularly, and then oh, you're it's going fine. To I watched I watched Billy Gilmore play for Chelsea yesterday. I felt like an old man. How old is he? He's born in two thousand. Oh Jesus Christ! What was it? Two uh, thousand, two thousand and one, or something like that. I'm really not. Well, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, Alfonso Davies is also a two thousand uh, two thousand born. <laughs> don't like it. I feel like a seventy-year-old man. Shh, don't, 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 don't think about that. Okay, so <laughs> your right wing position. 
Okay, I know he's not a right wing, but not including him in the team of the season felt wrong. And seeing as he could play right wing, I'm going with Timo Werner. See, I've got Timo Werner at left wing. Then where the hell are you going to put Jaden Sancho? Right wing. See, I had le- I had Sancho as left wing. I thought he plays left. I was under the impression he played right. Okay, I'm I'm this this can't be. I'm sorry. Hold on. Where I'm fairly is... certain he's he's a right winger. Or recently for Dortmund, he's played through the middle, but we'll ignore that. We're going to have to ignore this discrepancy. He's def- Okay, put it this way. Jaden Sancho is a winger. End of discussion. Just, just a winger. <laughs> just okay, a winger. I don't think it matters what side, because we've both got them. Exactly. And then, I mean, striker, if you're going to put... If anyone says hard, I'm going to freaking hit them. Um... <laughs> Lewandowski also kind of speaks for itself. 34 goals this season. I mean, he's tied for all-time in the all-time Bundesliga scoring list um, in a single season. He's tied for fourth with Dieter Müller, and that's a record that was set up in the 70s at 34 goals. And only Gert Müller, the, the German bomber of the 70s and 80s, has scored more than Lewandowski in a single season. Yeah, I mean, for my reasoning, I just put duh. <laughs> D- duh. I didn't feel I mean, like I'd ha- I didn't feel like I'd have to fight for that one. <laughs> nah, you really. I wouldn't have fought you. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So Lothar Matteo said this as well. Lewandowski has a very, very good chance of winning the Ballon d'Or, and should definitely be in the top three. Fair assessment, yes or no? Yeah, I think you'd be stupid to argue otherwise i mean given ronaldo and messi are probably going to end up in there again because you know let's face it they're just not from this planet and even in a bad season they still perform better than top stars on their best day yeah but i think if you're doing it based on goals i mean in all comps this season he's got like 50 now isn't he 51 there we go then and he still and he still has champions league to play see it's it's ridiculous because I can't see Juventus winning it. No. And the way Barca have been so hot and cold this season, I can't see them winning it. I wouldn't put it past Man City Bayern in the final. I really wouldn't. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe throwing PSG as a dark horse, but I think their lack of um, playing time or the, basically yeah, their lack just of matches. Training, aren't they? Exactly, their lack be, of match um, fit. They're not gonna. I mean, they literally have not played a game since, um, since March. I mean, you could argue, was it a bit quick of the French Football Federation to cut the league? But yes, I mean, then again, you don't. You you know, you couldn't know what was going to happen. <clears throat> Here's the thing with that: it, it's like you can. I I don't think you can slag off the French Federation for for basically reacting the way they did to the pandemic because I think it was a very, very natural reaction to have, especially with the amount of, um, or with the, with which speed the virus spread. And, you know, it for a while, it really did look like every other team or every other league could follow suit. So it was a, basically, it was a, it was a playing it safe move by the French Federation. Yeah, it's got, you know, it was made with the best uh, intentions. You know, everyone's interests at heart. 
Yeah, definitely. But, you know, I mean, PSG won't win the Champions League anyway. Yeah. they. I mean, one match fitness and two, I think that team is just, in general, going to be too star-studded. Or basically, it's not. there's not much team cohesion going on there. It's literally just the best players they can get for the most money thrown all together. Well, what's the situation with uh, Thiago Silva, Mounier, and Cavani? Have, have their contracts already expired, or are they staying on until the end of the season? Well, I mean, for PSG, I think the... I mean, the season is basically over for them. The only thing they've got going is Champions League. I could, I specifically don't know how much or basically to what extent their their contracts could go on because there are players who have said, you know, I'm going to stay, even if my contract does expire for the 30th or the 6th, um, I'm going to stay on and make sure that, you know, if my team is playing Champions League, that we'll make it through or basically in the Premier League there are players who are staying on um to finish out the season. I could see that happening, but as of now, Thomas Meunier is going off to Dortmund. And I don't see Dortmund basically waiting for him to finish out the Champions League campaign. Like you say say he gets an injury. Exactly. You could in have that a Champions League you could have a Sane-type situation again. Yeah, say first game back in the Champions League tournament, he ruptures something. Especially with, with, the, with PSG's lack of match fitness, there is a very high chance in comparison to other teams of something like that happening. Yeah, it'll have to be... Well, it'll have to be you know, we'll have to see what goes on. Exactly. We've, we've gotten a little bit sidetracked. We need to find our way back to finishing out the Bundesliga. So just to recap, we have gone with Zoma in goal from Gladbach, right back Ashraf Hakimi, Dortmund, center backs David Alaba, Bayern, and Martin Hinteregger, Eintracht Frankfurt, left back Alfonso Davies, Bayern, center defensive mid Joshua Kimmich, Bayern, and the two center attacking mids Müller, Thomas Müller, from Bayern and Kai Havertz from Bayer Leverkusen. Right wing and left wing, we've agreed are basically interchangeable. Um, Wingers are interchangeable. Exactly. Le- um, right or left wing doesn't really matter, but on the wings, Sancho and T- uh, Jaden Sancho from Dortmund and Timo Werner from RB uh, Leipzig. And striker, of course, the big man himself, Robert Lewandowski from Bayern, 34 goals. Not much else needs to be said there. Moving on to the relegation playoff. There shall be no egg on my face. <laughs> no, I got quite excited when Heidenheim equalized in 90 plus five. Only mm. to then realize it's done on away goals. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I was never sweating. I was never sweating. Uh, I, knew, I, knew <clears throat> would no egg, I knew I would not have to smash an egg on my face. No, so it was 2-2 after a nil-nil first. First that leg. first that first leg really wanted to make me claw my eyes out because it was so boring. Jesus. So, Werder Bremen stay up for another season, but, you know, fair play for them. But I sent you a picture after the game of them celebrating in their dressing room mm-hmm. like they just won the league. And it really, oh, it, it rubbed me the wrong way because, yeah, you've avoided relegation. 
But as a professional football team, as a professional footballer, you shouldn't want to be in that position anyway. Not being relegated, it should be like, oh, you know, thank fuck. Let's not do that again. Yeah, okay, here's the thing with that. I think that is down to one. In England, there are no relegation playoffs. It's either you get relegated or you stay up. So I feel like it ta- it it's hard to basically sympathize when you've watched English football for most of your life. This is this is just a this is just an assumption. But for me, I feel like it's with the fact that you have a relegation playoff and you basically have, you know, that almost tournament type first, you know, away in home leg. It's almost like a small little final that you have and, you know, you basically saving yourself within two games because at that point everything is on zero like your whole the whole season you've just played doesn't matter and that's in that moment it's just those two matches that matter that's it so basically winning that is it's a it's a mentality thing because you're going you know you've had such i mean ending up on the relegation spot by default means you've had a shit season and you know, probably, I mean, Florian Kofeld, uh, Werder Bremen's manager, said it, said it himself. The amount, like the roller coaster ride he had been on with Werder this season and, you know, everything that has happened in the past 10 months, you could have, picked, you could have packed that into five seasons of football. Yeah. The amount of emotion. And it's that type of relief and, um, and the fact that that relief culminates within two matches. I feel like gives the whole relegation thing a different vibe in the sense that, um, you know, I totally agree with you that, you know, they've, they should just be, you know, begging on their hands and knees, you know, or basically thanking, thanking whatever higher power they believe in on their hands and knees that they haven't been relegated. But in that moment, I think it's a different, it's a different vibe. Maybe, but going back to the, mentality thing that you mentioned mm-hmm. I've got written in my notes Rio Ferdinand, Ben Foster and it basically so Manchester United won the Carling Cup and Ben Foster played and got man of the match and everything mm-hmm. and in an interview he's like well the Carling Cup was just in the corner of the dressing room on its own there was no you know, party afterwards, there was no big celebration people just got on with it and Rio Ferdinand talks about it and that's the reason he didn't stay at United for years like he could have done that mentality of you know the Carlin carpets a Mickey Mouse trophy to use some other people's wording but maybe that's the difference between you know being the best players and just playing football. That mentality of, okay, we've won this. We've got a Champions League game on Tuesday. We go again because the Champions League is more important than the Carling Cup. Yeah, definitely. But I also think that it's hard to, it's, it's a bit harder to compare the Carling Cup or what is now, or I guess you could just say the League Cup because sponsors change all the time. But I think the Carling Cup or League Cup is hard to compare because that finishes 
mid-season. It finishes for some for the teams who usually win it. Obviously, they usually are one of the top six, unless you have an upset. They're so usually won it a few years ago. Okay, that that's why I said unless you have an upset, that that would be one of those cases. But if you have something like that, you usually. I want to say for the teams that win it, being usually top six teams, they're usually going to be in the Champions League as well. And, you know, for it being midseason, it's in the middle of February. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's crunch time. For all the teams who are in the middle of the Champions League round of 16, that is crunch time right there because you're playing a game usually midweek, every week. You've either got, uh, you've got the domestic cup, you've got league play and then champions league. And usually that is, that is when you're going to be hit hardest. So for a rear Ferdinand to say, you know, we've got champions league, we're not going to celebrate this understandably. So but I think it's hard to compare that in relegation because relegation really is, you know, a season finale. Maybe, but moving from something, I don't think worth celebrating to something <laughs> You probably you think words. You definitely think it's worth celebrating. The most one-sided cup final I've seen in a few years. I mean, yeah, okay, but yes and no. Bayern were first half one step ahead of Leverkusen in every sense of the match, or the in every sense of the game of football. They're passing. They're um. They're their high press when they lost the ball, their chances that they created. I mean, Bayern could have easily been up 4-5-0 uh, in the first half if they hadn't left their chances uh, or if, they hadn't, um, if they'd actually finished their chances. And, you know, going into the... the Leverkusen were very lucky to go into halftime with only, or only being down 2-0. And I think fatigue caught up with Bayern a little bit and allowed Leverkusen back into the game second half? Because I think you would agree that, you know, second half was actually more of a cup final. Yeah, it was more of a, you know, it looked like Leverkusen actually turned up. Exactly, exactly. So that's the thing. I mean, Bayern, obviously, they they then, I feel like, regained a little bit, a little bit of stability once they brought on Coutinho and Thiago. Um, they... They had more. They had a more stable midfield again, and then obviously brilliant play to see Lewandowski bag his second goal of the night in the 89th minute, and Kai Havertz's penalty was really just consolation. Do you want to talk about David Alaba's free kick? <laughs> I'm not sure what else can be said about that free kick because I mean he just made he just put he put some of Messi and Ronaldo's free kicks to shame on that one. I mean, we, we've seen it so many times from David Alaba. Yeah, he's a free kick. He's, he's, I feel like he's a little bit of an underrated free kick specialist almost. Because he has bagged in some great free kicks over the years. And not just, you know, free kicks from right outside the box, but free kicks from, you know, good 25 yards out. It's, uh, it's interesting for a centre-back as well to be that good at a dead ball. I mean, he isn't really Situation. a. Wow. He isn't. He isn't the. He isn't the center. He isn't really like a full-on center back, is a he? Fullback comes. I was about to say. Back. I mean, he's a. He can. He can play center mid. He can play. He can play on the wing. He can play fullback. He can play center back. He is a very versatile player. One of the reasons why I think Bayern should keep him. And I think. I. I think they will. But 
Yeah, I mean, you're right in saying that most center backs, I mean, maybe you take Nidal, who played for Wolfsburg and Schalke in the last few years, who just, you know, ran up to the ball from about 35 yards out and just drilled it. Then again, Alex did that, and so does David Luiz. So it might be a Brazilian thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The, the only thing Brazilian centre-backs are taught is how to drill a free kick from about 35 yards out. Well, it's certainly not how to defend, because it's uh, the anniversary of something Ooh. <laughs> quite humiliating for them today. Ooh. Oh, it's 7-1. You sure about that? No, I'm that really not. Ago. That was, was that a week, week ago. ago. It came up on that... my Twitter this morning. I really... No, it was the first... Uh, any, as every good German remembers, it was the 1st of July. No, no, no. Yeah, that, it... I mean, you know, it's the, the di- as every good German remembers, the date uh, is always Brazil, Germany, and then the year on the 1st of July. But well, that's... You're, you would be right in saying that the actual throwback on this day... Uh, ah, see, yeah, that's what I was on about. Six, six years ago as well. Jesus Christ. You would be right in saying that on this day, six years ago, that's what happened. That's what I mean. Yes. I know I wasn't going mad. No, no, you weren't going mad because in five days on this day, six years ago, we triumphed with Mario Goetze. Mario Goetze has just surely won it for Germany. Okay, we've we've been to the museum. We've watched the montage. Let's. We've let's, seen the boot. We've seen the boot that's on. done the business. Let's move on. True. Stop talking Premier about League international match. success. Exactly. Premier League match day thirty-three. Mason I'm gonna, Greenwood. I was about to say we'll just we'll just start with the match that I know you've been dying to talk about. United win five-two against Bournemouth. And Bruno Fernandes and Mason Greenwood are basically the standout uh, players in that performance. I, I, I really don't want to turn this into some sort of like Bruno Fernandes love fest every week. But it is going to turn into one this week. But if he was to, you know, stop being amazing, then I wouldn't have to talk <laughs> about him. But I don't know. I think it's only fair to mention... Uh, junior Stanislas nutmegged Harry Maguire and then beat the hair his near post. Okay, Didn't I mean, exactly cover themselves in glory with that. <laughs> Definitely Mexico. not, but I think I think the Hayes had a pretty average season, average to I dare say even below average this season. It's been it's a weird one because I because you know a couple of seasons ago everyone was saying you know David De Gea knocked Neuer off his pedestal, and you know two seasons on, you barely recognize the guy who was uh, who who supposedly had beaten out Neuer for the best goalkeeper in the world. Yeah, those mistakes are starting to creep back that he had during his like first couple yeah, his of years. First- his first couple, I mean, given he went to, he, the move from Atletico to United came when he was 20 years old, which is crazy to think because, you know, at this moment in time now, we're both almost three years older than he was at, uh, at the point of, yeah, I, I know it's, uh, you, you just don't want to hear those stats. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, crazy early to make that switch from the Spanish league. I mean, given he'd already moved up quite 
early in his career to a big team um, in Spain or basically the starting 11 of a big team in Spain. But you were definitely right in saying, you know, his first years at United weren't exactly covered in glory either. Well, that's the thing. You know, there must have been something because it's a famous story now, but Sir Alex only missed three United games. Uh, and one of those was to scout David De Gea. Well, um, I'd say that Sir Alex Ferguson was right in scouting him because, you know, bottom line, David De Gea, you know, in his prime at United was definitely in the top three goalkeepers of, uh, in, in the world. I, I've had people like, one of my mates has said to me about Dean Henderson. And while I think Dean Henderson's great, maybe one more season with Sheffield United, because as far as I'm concerned, De Gea's saved United enough to warrant a few mistakes. I'd, I'd also say that Dean Henderson has had now one good season in the Prem, which should not be caused to knock out David De Gea, who, as you said, has done so much for United. And you know, given he's made a couple of mistakes, but I'd still, put, I'd still take David De Gea over Dean Henderson at this moment in time even with the season that David De Gea has had, because Dean Henderson, for all the praise he has received, and rightfully so, he's, he's still young and he's still inexperienced. Yeah. In comparison to David De Gea. And if, if Sheffield United get any form of European football, I think it'll be good for him to have that experience under his belt. Yeah. When he does eventually become our number one, because there's no... There's no doubting and all this stuff like, oh, Chelsea want him. Well, Chelsea spent 75 mil on their own goalkeeper. Who, by the way, has the lowest save percentage of all Premier League goalkeepers. Just is, thought I'd throw that out there. Which is a big hindrance when you're a goalkeeper. <laughs> just, just maybe. Just, just a little bit. Although I do want to talk, talk about weird, crazy, you know, things that don't help when you're in that particular position. Last night, Danny Welbeck scored an overhead kick for Watford against Norwich, and Christian Benteke scored against Chelsea. That just does put a smile on your face, doesn't it? <laughs> well, two players, I mean, two players that are strikers that barely score goals, and then just pulled stuff like that out of the bag. I mean, Danny Welbeck's just pretty cool, but Christian Benteke's was just a tap in. <laughs> yeah, but the, I mean, I was about to say goals. A goal's a goal at the end of the day. On the scoreboard, you don't get an extra point just for uh, scoring a nice overhead kick, do you? Exactly. I think I saw someone uh, on the Trevor Sinclair. Uh, you must have seen this goal. If not, I'll send it to you afterwards. Trevor Sinclair against Liverpool, against Liverpool when he played for QPR scored an absolute ten out of ten overhead kick, and someone from TalkSport ranked them. And Gareth Bales against Liverpool in the Champions League was an 8 out of 10. Rooney's was a 6.5 because it came off of his shin. You're kidding. Uh, 6.5 because it came off of his shin. And um, Danny who... Welbeck's was marked down as a 4 because uh, the cross took a deflection. You're literally... I mean, that is so, oh, that is so small. I mean, if, if he's giving that one... Um, 
in the QPR Liverpool game a 10 out of 10. He better be giving Ronaldo's against Juve an 11 out of 10. I mean, to be fair, I don't think that one was ranked. That's an even bigger dis- that's an even bigger disgrace. Because if they're, if they're ranking Gareth Bale's overhead kick against Liverpool in the Champions League final, the only reason that's up there is because, or the only reason they've probably ranked that one and not Ronaldo's is because Gareth Bale's was in a Champions League final and Ronaldo's was in you know quarterfinal. Maybe. Which but is enough of hmm. overhead kicks. Did you by any chance watch uh, any highlights of Southampton Manchester City? That was a that was a weird game. It was, it was just so not. It was just no. I think every anyone you could have you could have asked any random person on the street and they would have told you City three points. You know they probably would have played you the me that meme where the guy goes City one, City two, City three. You know, like the he they, they, that would have been it. But you know what. It's just inexplicable to me how you can, how you can, you know, almost go to pieces against a team that you know got decked by Leicester nine nil in the same season. Yeah, but that Southampton team is a very different Southampton team. To start, yeah. Alex McCarthy. I'll give you that. I'll in give goal you that. Has been quite solid. Like Angus Gunn hasn't played a minute in the Premier League since he got battered nine nil. But I mean, Shea as a Adams waits. <laughs> 23 appearances to score his first Premier League goal for Southampton. And it, it's a great goal, but why is Edison that far off his line? Okay, here's the, this, is a, this is a contentious subject because, I, you know, as a, as a goalkeeper, you're taught, or at least managers will say, I'd rather you get beaten way off your line than get beaten because you didn't come off your line early enough or if you weren't or if you stayed put on your line and let the let the striker come to you it's a case of you know given yes why would you want like i don't think you ever want to get beat because you know you're too far off your line because obviously you still look a little bit like a twat but um it's it's a hard one ederson you know, by default already is a goalkeeper who plays far off his line. And goalkeepers now more and more ever since, you know, Naya has revolutionized the playing position of goalkeeper. Goalkeepers are taught, you know, you better be the 11th outfield player when we've got the ball and defensively you should still be quite far off your line to basically sweep. Yes, questions can be asked about Ederson in that specific position, but I wouldn't be going so far as to say, you know, he should be, he shouldn't have been so far off his line. I think it's more of a question of timing. Maybe, but there's being off your line and there's being stood on the 18 yard line, which is fine when City are in South, are camped in Southampton's half. You've got license to do that, but when you're in your own half, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you that, but in general, I'd still th- I'd still rather like me spit me on me me playing as well. I would rather get beat for being too far off my line than being too close to my own line. Yeah, fair enough. I think I also think it's fair to uh give some praise to Jack Stevens who seemed to turn into some possessed 
beast at centre back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if, it, if it wasn't Alex McCarthy stopping it, it was Jack Stevens getting there first, blocking it, heading it away from the corner. And you, like you said, you know, this is a these are two completely different faces that Southampton is showing. Yeah, from the nine nil battering, they you know, granted it was early in the season, but after that they were everyone's like, oh, the big team going down, it's going to be Southampton. Nah, nah. I but also also you have to give more play, credit to. Yeah, fair play to Ralph Hasenhutl. Exactly. Ralf Hasenhutl, the you have to also look at the job that he did at Leipzig. And I mean he got Leipzig in their first season in the Bundesliga to finish second. So you know, you give credit where it's due, and also that goes back to you know when we had uh Guillaume Balaguet as a guest speaker um at a lecture. He said in England people the press specifically don't have enough respect for the pro uh, for the process you know the process of getting of just building up a team and you know that's i feel like is very true specifically in the uk when it comes to getting results but i think in football in general there is still very much a culture of you know you need to get results asap and it doesn't and you know it it also does matter how you get the results like yeah, you can't get the results in a scrappy manner. Like that's why Jose Mourinho has been, you know, in the firing line so often. Yeah, and when United had that run of bad results, I remember everyone, oh, Solskjaer's going to let sack. Poch has just left Spurs. They're going to get him in. They lose one more game. He's gone. He's out of here. That's and now, that's my point. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's like the rebirth of Christ. <laughs> it's like, oh, how Solskjaer's brought United back from the dead. They play like the United of yesteryear. No, it's because he stuck to what he wanted to do. And now he's reaping the rewards for it. The same will happen for Mikel Arteta at Arsenal. Given, you know, Arsenal still need a couple of more good signings. Well, I mean, you know, Sack, you know, playing the young players, Saka. Yeah. Since yeah. he signed that new deal, got a goal and he set up Aubameyang yesterday. And one... Gabriel Martinelli signed a new deal. Yeah, the one the one young player that doesn't hold true for is uh Matteo Grandosi, who is reportedly or has been reportedly training on his own since the Brighton match where he also mouthed off. Yeah, the one where he uh basically he tried tried to play big man to Neil Mope. He's like, I own more than most of your team. And Neil Mope for- was on twenty thousand pounds more. I was about to say. First of all, he. First of all, the <laughs> statement wasn't true, and second of all, they lost that. They game. lost. <laughs> <laughs> speaking. Speaking of which, Arsenal. I mean, they didn't lose, but they they actually won two 0 against Wolves, and they're taking the fight to Wolves when it comes to the Europa League uh, qualification spots. See, I they, think I wouldn't say I wouldn't say Arsenal are, are completely out of the running in that regard yet. No, and had they beaten Leicester yesterday, yes, it would have been. A, you know, there's a lot of contention. You know, was Vardy offside? Was it a red card? But I think is, um... <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of things going around. Intent is not in the letter of the law. So whether Eddie and Ketia intended to win the ball or not, he still, you know, brought his foot down on the knee. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That whole intent, that intent stuff is actually just no. 
don't, don't, that, you know what really grinds my gears? It's fine. Uh, Chris, Chris Sutton got called out for it on Twitter. And I can't stand Chris Sutton, so I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, go, but, oh, but he's intended to win the ball, Lee Dixon. No, but Chris, no, intent no. isn't in the letter of the law. It's a red exactly. card. I'm sorry, at the end of the day, if the contact, like I can go in with all the intent to win the ball I want, if I'm getting there late and only basically studs up on the back of, on the, on the Achilles tendon of a guy, I'm getting a red card any day of the week. I can say, yeah, yeah, I had the intent to win the ball, but at the end of the day, all I got was the guy's Achilles tendon. Exactly. But going back to that Wolves game quickly. Yes. I think Arsenal showed... Now, this is, this is going to be quite a controversial one because I know a lot of people like Adama Traore. Ooh. I'm not a fan because I, he's just a pace merchant. He's, he's what, he'll, cut, uh, he'll cut outside, he'll run to the byline and he'll cross it in. And that is it. If you can stop that, you stop one of Wolves' most creative players, creative players. And that, that Cedric being... stopped it. That being said, though, everyone said the same thing about Ian Robin was all that guy does is run down the run down the right wing, cut in with his left, and then try and slot it, you know, far post. If you can stop that, then you've got him. Yeah, but the difference and is Iron Robin was actually decent. <laughs> okay. I, I put it this way. I think uh Triore is a it's a Zedan Shakiri 2.0, you know, the, the stocky, pacey winger who all he does is sprint down the wing and, ru- and cross it in because that's all Zedan Shakiri did for um, Bayern. Well, he's, he's 24 and he's being linked with Man City. Uh, I think that's a big step. That's as a step per too ESPN, far. and that is just ridiculous. That's a step too Replacing far. Replacing Roy as- with Adama Traore, it would be. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> That's not a replacement. Oh, it's not, it's That's not a... worth, it doesn't warrant talking about because it's just an utterly ridiculous thing to happen. Exactly. Moving on, though, Liverpool were uncharacteristically weak against Aston Villa despite winning 2-0. I mean, they only had two shots in the first half, and that's the lowest since the 3-0 loss to Watford in February, which ended their unbeaten run. Questions yeah, to be asked but, about their men. I mean, maybe you can ask questions about their mentality of, you know, have we, we've won the league, don't really care about it anymore. I was going to say, is, is that, that the not case? just the case of, oh, you know, we can stop worrying. There's not any pressure anymore. Well, that's the thing for Liverpool, the season is more or less over. They've got, no Champions, they've got league, no Champions League and no FA, no Cup. FA Cup. No League Cup either. So for them, it's. The, for for Liverpool, the season is really this is just training matches now. I mean, fair play to Curtis Jones for scoring his first Premier League goal after the ridiculous effort he got in the FA Cup against Everton. Yeah, yeah. But moving on to finish out the Premier League because we do have to briefly have touch a look on at transfers exactly before we wrap this up. Um. Newcastle, West Ham drawing 2-2. That, I think, is a bigger deal for West Ham than it is for Newcastle because Newcastle are more or less safe from relegation unless something horrendous should happen. Well, I don't know. West Ham, 
you'd like to think they had a bit more about them than the others to avoid going down. But defensively, they're just so shaky, weak. Yeah. I mean, also for, you know, you'd expect more from a team that just uh, beat Chelsea Chelsea. 3-2. Exactly. I mean, if you you pulled that kind of performance out of the bag against a top, top six club, why can't you do the same against a mid table club? Especially a club that is more or less, you know, the same in terms of shakiness at the back. Twice they went ahead. Twice Newcastle pegged them back. So that's what I'm saying. Both both clubs were defensively not the sound, aren't haven't been defensively sound this whole season. I don't know. I don't think West Ham will go down though. No, I'd I'd still peg I'd still peg uh, Villa Norwich, and. No. Yeah, Villa, yeah, Norwich, Norwich Villa and Bournemouth. Bournemouth, yeah. Bournemouth just, like we've said a couple of weeks ago, they I feel like they need a little bit of a rebuilding phase. You know, one year in the championship could do them do them a little bit of a, a little bit of good. Yeah, or they could uh drop down and just struggle to come back up again. Which is the danger of the championship. It's the hardest league to get out of. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Sunderland have shown that you know, well, they, they can can't go get out of League One wrong. at the moment. It's almost, I mean, it, obviously, I'm biased because of the Netflix series, but it is a little bit sad to watch a club like Sunderland struggle uh, the way they have. Not if you support Newcastle, it's not. Well, obviously, <laughs> get the Tyneside Derby on there. <laughs> there won't be one of those for a few years. For a few yeah. years, yeah. Unless you have some crazy. Uh, FA Cup or League Cup draw. Even then, I think Sunderland get battered. Oh yeah, it'd be depressing. So, moving swiftly to transfers. There, you know, in in comparison to other episodes, we don't have a lot on that. The biggest thing is the biggest, or basically the biggest news I would say is probably Messi to leave Barcelona, perhaps because of the way Barcelona have struggled and they don't really have a clear concept as to which transfers they're making. I mean, if you're going on the transfer they've already made, they've got no idea. I still can't yeah, believe they, if you'd swap a 23-year-old for a 30-year-old. Especially when that 23-year-old is probably one of your most up-and-coming midfielders. Given If he'd been given the chance for two more years, he probably would have become one of the best mid- midfielders in Spain, maybe Europe. Okay, that yeah, might, then again, that, Barcelona, you don't get two years to improve. Yeah, but then again, also I'd say I mean, okay, obviously Frankie De Jong is an exception. Um, it's a hard one. I still wouldn't have done it as Barcelona if you if you were smart about it. Especially you leave you basically you basically leave Pjanic alone. He's a great midfielder, but at age thirty, you don't need to make your squad any older than it already is. No. I think that's one of the reasons why Messi just wants out. Maybe, but he's one of the older ones. He is, but Messi, on the other hand, is also, you know, not human. True. Same okay. with Ronaldo. Yeah. I mean, to see those two at Juventus would be <laughs> nothing short of spectacular. Yeah, but I think that's the same thing as maybe saying an F1, Hamilton and Fettel. On Mercedes, 
it'd be a nice dream or it's a nice dream to have and it'd be a romance uh it'd be a romance story for the sport but the reality of it is a little bit far-fetched or if realistically speaking that would be a far-fetched move okay but talking we, about realism realism one transfer that is not just a rumor but is becoming very real and should be official in the next few days Benjamin Heinrichs, the or Henrich, sorry, the um, German former under twenty one. Now he's made his. I mean, he's not an under twenty one player anymore, but a former uh, German under twenty one player um, at right back who has also been linked with Bayern in the last two seasons for a right back replacement before they got Benjamin Pavard. Um, he's moving from Monaco to Leipzig, and. I think that's a good move for Leipzig. They're yeah, strengthening. I mean, off the top of my head, I can't name their right back. Well, and um, Angelino. Angelino. He's a left back. Um, Klostermann. Is that the Klostermann? Yeah. Who's also made his uh, German German national team debut, by the way, or at least has gotten the call up. Well, he's a decent he's a decent right back, but um Henrich has been he he's also been one of Germany's more touted young talents and um even in recent years, you know, making his debut for Bayer Leverkusen and then playing already at a quite a young age. Um you know, he's only 22. Yeah, talking about young talent Talk to me about Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham is... So basically the news that we've been getting from Sky Sports Germany, at least, is that the only thing holding up the transfer of Jude Bellingham is the fact that Birmingham obviously want to, because the, because the season is still going in the championship as well, and obviously you know they still want him to be able to play, rightfully so, they don't want him to go to Dortmund and then have to come back and go into quarantine for two weeks, which would be mandatory up until the 31st of July, if I have my dates correct, um, when it comes to the government guidelines of travel between the UK and other European countries. I mean, a little bit ironic because Germany definitely has one of the best or has gotten the gotten the number of the coronavirus pretty well sorted out in comparison to the UK, but uh, that would still, those regulations are still in place. And if Jude Bellingham were to go, you know, do his medical at Dortmund and sign the contract and come back to the UK, Birmingham would, um, you know, he'd still have to go into quarantine and that wouldn't do either Dortmund or Birmingham any good. So, so with the, quarantine rules holding it up I'm getting visions of 2010 I'm getting visions of an ash cloud and a certain Polish striker who couldn't sign for Blackburn Rovers and instead signed for Dortmund hey you know maybe things just have the have a way of working themselves out maybe this maybe the coronavirus holding up the Bellingham trans uh Bellingham transfer blows Bellingham over to United. You know, that would uh that is a very, very big possibility. And as much as I like Dortmund, it'd be really, 
really nice to get one over on them. What, just because Jaden Sancho, they're being very stubborn on the Jaden Sancho pricing? Not even that, just because of Haaland, really. <laughs> oh my God, you need to let that go. Gotta let I that can't. go. I, would, I wouldn't mind if he went to Dortmund and was shit. But he's he just not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, speaking of wanting to get one over on another big European rival, or well, I guess big city rival at this point, City and United are both in the race assigned not just one, but two players, Koulibaly and Milinkovic Savage. These are just rumors. Nothing concrete yet, but if we're, if rumors are anything to go by, both Manchester teams would like to sign both of these players. I think Koulibaly's a bit, maybe under Mourinho, I could believe it a bit more. But okay, someone of that age kind of, you know, goes against everything Solskjaer... True, true. He's trying to do like Harry Maguire is the established center back, uh, yeah. Center, you know, the older center back. So you think it would be a younger, like a Gaya Upamecano. True. I mean, Upamecano would fit the bill because he is only 21. He's 21. He's quick. He's which is big... something we are absolutely gagging for at the back. He's a center <laughs> back with, with pace that, yeah. you know, Victor Lindelof isn't blessed with pace. Eric Bailly is a bit erratic. He's just he's just inconsistent. And Phil Jones is just Phil Jones barely. A <laughs> yeah, Phil Jones is just Phil Jones. <laughs> you, there is no explan- There is no definition. It is. Oh just, my god! Phil um, Jones I, Phil Jones. I saved this report. I saved this thing in my Twitter. So if it does happen, I can just laugh at West Ham fans. David Moyes apparently wants Jesse Lingard and Phil Jones to, no. um, to bolster his West Ham side. You know, the man I'm sorry, wins. Bolst- bolster a West Ham side with Phil Jones. <laughs> oh my God. It's like trying to cover a crack in a ship with newspaper. No, or a cra- exactly. Or duct tape. <laughs> duct taping a car back together. Exactly. Um, one more, one last thing before we go. Um, David Alaba seems more likely to sign a new contract at Bayern than Thiago does. Um, the newest reports are that even Thiago's wife has been a little bit of the instigator on that and has already moved the family back to Spain, which doesn't really make sense because he was linked with Liverpool. <laughs> I was going to say, that's... Um, that's why the reports are a bit, con- a bit conflicting, but... I mean, like we've said in previous episodes, if there was a time to leave Bayern for a new challenge, it would be now for Thiago because he's 29, going on 30. He's, you know, this would be the last time to get a major contract. Yeah, you think this would be his last big club move? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a thing of he would definitely be, I, I think for Bayern it would, be elem- like it would be very good to keep him because he's also just been such a cornerstone in Bayern's passing game. But Bayern, I think if, if there's a club that could compensate Thiago leaving, it would be Bayern with their midfield. Yeah. Yeah, David Alaba, on the other hand, yeah, David Alaba, on the other hand, is a different story. Yeah, I, don't I don't think, think you could cope losing him. No. Especially with the age of Jerome Boateng. And Jerome Boateng, as good as he's been this season, and he's had his rebirth under Flick and is almost back to the times where, you know, 
2014, 15, where he was one of the best center backs in the world. I mean, his goal line clearance almost in front of Leon Bailey in the Dave Papel Cup finale was, uh, was already, you know, enough evidence. He's still more likely to leave. Like basically Bayern would sell him just because he's also very high on the wage bill, you know, earning over 12 million euros a year. It is a very, very, um, or it is more likely that Boateng could leave this season. The only thing standing in the way of that at the minute is just, you know, the lack of interested clubs. Yeah, I think a lot of clubs are now starting to stop, you know, buying the uh, established old players and go with the younger up and coming. And yeah, you're not wrong. And also just the fact that Boateng is coming with, you know, a quite high wage bill, especially in coronavirus times. I don't think a lot of big clubs are trying to sign a player who's supposed to be earning over 10 mil. But that is maybe a topic for in the coming weeks. I hope you've enjoyed that episode. Been a big one with the team of the season, though. It's the first team of the season. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be interested what we get for the Premier League team of the season. Probably just gonna be Liverpool and Man City players. Oh, I think I'm gonna have to fight for that one, aren't I? I mean, I, I, as of now, I might even put I I would put Bruno Fernandez in. Mm. it'd be interesting it'll be an interesting one that's one for a few weeks down the line yes definitely we shall see you guys this time next week hope you enjoyed that episode keep calm love the beautiful game